Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Big Big Ten Football Show. It is our Big Bets episode for week three. I'm taping here on Thursday night. Happy Yom Kippur to my Jewish brothers and sisters out there. I have at least um, four members of the tribe that I know of are involved in Big Ten games. Um, so you guys know who I'm talking about. I'm thinking of you right now as I'm maybe picking your team or maybe you're going to be cursing me as I'm picking against your team like many fans out there often do. So let's jump right into it with our big bets. Uh, that was a loser last week, two and two on the season. And we're going to go, we're going to try to turn that around and we're going to go back to Ann Arbor where the Michigan Wolverines have given us week, uh, week uh, wins in week one and in week two. They were our biggest bets in each of the first two weeks. So why not go back? Why not go back to Ann Arbor with the Wolverines? And the other reason that I'm going with Michigan here isn't just the fact that they've rewarded us, but it seems like uh, maybe we're the only people they have rewarded. It's gone somewhat unnoticed. Um... When reviewing the line moves from earlier in the season, Michigan was 27.5 over Northern Illinois. And that's basically where it is right now. So you're seeing a lot of these other teams getting respect, uh, seeing the line move, you know, as we get evidence, what week one, week two. Well, Michigan has finally crept into the top 25. They are barely there. Um, 25 in both the AP and the coaches poll. Yet, uh, the betting spread really hasn't been impacted at all. At all, um, they're taking on a Northern Illinois team that, yes, did upset the Rambling Wreck from Georgia Tech in Week One. But they're the Huskies are also coming off a 50 to 43 loss to Wyoming. So I'm not sure if they're the team that you really want to back. Um, a big reason why I like the Wolverines here is because of the way the offensive line is playing and the way that uh, both sides of the ball, we're seeing a lot of players incorporated. So Michigan um, should be able to run the ball with ease against Northern Illinois. That's something that they've done in each of the first two weeks. Um, after not throwing the ball that much last week against Washington, uh, they know they're going to need to start cranking up that passing attack. So I expect to see them air it out a little bit more uh, this week to get uh, their quarterback, Cade McNamara, comfortable and ready for the Badgers. That, that game is coming up in, a, in two weeks. And then defensively, um, you, you have to be impressed with everything you've seen from Michigan. And they're playing a lot of guys. So... It's one of those situations where, you know, you're seeing a player like a Junior Colson, a true freshman, playing in the first quarter. Rod Moore, another true freshman safety, getting playing time early in the game. So if these guys get on the field in the fourth quarter, it's not necessarily a situation where they're going to be giving up a lot of points or, uh, you know, to allow that backdoor cover. And the same goes for the offense with the running game, you know, Donovan Edwards, is considered to be every bit as talented as Blake Quorum, who's got almost 300 yards rushing through two weeks. So I expect Michigan to win this one comfortably and dominate throughout 
uh, quarters one through four. That's something that they, you know, have typically done in the Harbaugh era when they can take care of a team, that physicality that Michigan plays with on both sides of the ball really wears on teams as the game goes on. All right, any more big bets? We do. We have a couple more. And uh, let's go with the Wolverines' hated rival, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Now, I thought about taking Ohio State, especially as I watched the line move down this week. It was 27 earlier in the week. You can find 24 today. Um, it may dip before 24, and, I, and I'll be watching. That, that might tempt me to do a little something with, with that number. but. Um, the more I thought about it, uh, the more I, I it brought me to the conclusion that while it might be great to bet Ohio State overall, wouldn't it be even better if you could just bet their offense? Because the offense has really carried them this season through two games. Um, they scored 45 points in their week one win against Minnesota. And while they only scored 28 last week, it easily could have been another 45 um, as they put up 612 yards of offense. That's right, six, you know, everybody's been ripping this team this week, but they put up 612 yards of offense against Oregon. So maybe we should also slow down a little bit. You know, this is a Big Ten podcast and a betting podcast. Maybe we should slow down a little bit on Oregon as well and how great their defenses was because they gave up 612 yards. 484 of those were through the air by C.J. Stroud, who should look even more comfortable against Tulsa. Um, as OSU's offensive line has a big edge in that matchup, the Buckeyes had three wideouts go for 100 yards. So, you know, I talked a little bit about the depth with Michigan. Well, Ohio State has even more depth, particularly at the skilled player positions on offense. So you can believe they're going to try to work in some of those highly touted uh, wide receivers and throw them the ball. Um, you have Henderson, the freshman running back. Last week, Master Teague didn't even play. So he may you may see him in the second half, a guy who was the week one starter. He may be coming in in garbage time, and, and that's the role he's you know flourishing as a youngster. That's where he got a couple of big runs going up against opposing teams' defenses late in games after they were worn down. Even the quarterbacks, you know, they, they have a quarterback room with four highly touted quarterbacks. Uh, I project that at least two, uh, at least one, maybe you could even say likely two will transfer uh, before the start of next season. So, uh, you know, you're going to try to keep as many of those guys happy. So when they do get in the game and, in, 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 you know, substituting for C.J. Stroud, I don't expect them just to hand the ball off. So we could see Ohio State really put up a 50-60 point number against Tulsa would not surprise me. So I think they'll go over the 42. Um, you know, not it's only a big bet just because, you know, to be honest, I haven't played a lot of totals and the team totals is still a new thing. So I'm getting my feet wet, wet a little bit. Maybe, maybe I look back and think this should have been my biggest bet. But for now, we're going to keep it in the big bets range. And then finally, one more, Duke. Uh, laying three against Northwestern at home. Uh, this play is more about Northwestern, which is a team that I certainly know a lot better, uh, having focused on them going leading up to the season. Uh, from what I've seen so far, there's no reason why they should be favored on the road against another Power 5 school. Uh, week one, they looked horrendous defensively. 
as the Spartans ran all over them in a 38-21 loss. Last week, they did get a W, but only managed 24 points against Indiana State. Um, that is an FCS school. Quarterback Hunter Johnson, who, you know, showed some reason for, for optimism in week one in that defeat because he hit a couple of deep balls. Well, take it all back because last week he averaged 4.1 yards per pass, which was very reminiscent of the way the Wildcats played in 2019 when they just could not generate any semblance of a passing offense and they went on to have a three and nine season that year um the offensive line allowed nine tackles for loss are you kidding me against an fcs school and now going into this game wide receivers jj henderson bryce kurtz who had a couple of big plays against michigan state in week one they're listed as questionable so i, I don't see how this line at best should be pick them if not maybe even Duke favorites. So give me those three points with Duke. I'll gobble them up and uh, look for the Blue Devils to get an outright win there. All right, now let's move on to our bigger bets. These are games I like a little more. And we're going to start with uh, the same state of Indiana. We mentioned the Indiana State. Let's go to uh, the Hoosiers in Bloomington where they host the Cincinnati Bearcats. Now this game was a uh, pick'em line. In the preseason, it has moved up and it is in the range of three to four for Cincinnati. There's a lot of three and a halves, a couple of fours. I was able to find a three. I hope you can find one as well. Um, I like the Bearcats here. I think, uh, I don't know if they're playoff real. Actually, I'll be honest, I don't think they're playoff real. They might be top 10 real, but they're definitely the better of these two teams going into this game. As you know, if you listen to me at all uh, this season, I was not high in Indiana going into the year. I really liked the under 7.5. I thought a lot of what they did last year was smoke and mirrors combined with um, you know opposing teams like Michigan, like Penn State, having losing a rare losing seasons. Indiana did not beat a team with a winning record last year. So I, I, I thought them going into the year ranked was ridiculous. Um, there has been some market correction, but I don't think there, there's been full market correction because they're still getting votes in both polls. Um, they would be 31st if you kept counting in the AP poll. Um, the line is only three, four points. So um, I hear some people saying nobody's giving Indiana a chance to win this game. Well, somebody is because the line isn't, you know, the line isn't 14. So somebody's giving Indiana a chance. And um, Cincinnati, they're the same team that demolished Miami, Ohio, which gave Minnesota trouble last week. They beat Miami, Ohio in week one, 49-14. In that game, they were just picking up yards in big chunks, averaged almost 10 yards per play, which is unheard of. Um, the defense and 30 dropbacks by Miami, Ohio quarterbacks got 24 pressures. So this is um, one of the better... Uh, group of five offensive line, uh, defensive lines, excuse me, led by Luke Fickle. Um, Sanders is their big edge rusher. He had seven sacks as a DN last year, and I think they're just going to feast. They are going to feast on this Indiana Hoosiers O-line, which I believe is the worst in the Big Ten. Did not look good at all uh, versus Iowa. And, um, you know, I think until they match up and, and hold their own against a good team, 
I'm going to consider that a mismatch going into this game. Uh, factor in that uh, the Bearcats have an outstanding duo in Ahmad Gardner, who is uh, on many people's preseason All-American list, as well as Kobe Bryant. So you have two strong cornerbacks um, who are very good on the outside, which is exactly where Michael Penix likes to go to the ball with the ball for a lot of his big plays and a team that can get pressure on the quarterback and is going to win at the line of scrimmage. I just think that's a, a bad, bad sign for Indiana. And I would not be surprised if they struggled offensively. If you see them, uh, you know, if turnovers start happening. Remember, turnovers went their way last year. And they may be going against them again in week three, the same way they did against Iowa with this matchup. Um, definitely, I feel comfortable in picking the Bearcats here in that contest. One more bigger bet, and that is the Miami Hurricanes. Six against Michigan State. Now, you may tell yourself, six points. You know, Miami hasn't looked that great. Uh, Michigan State's 2-0. and Six points kind of sounds right. I mean, you can say that maybe. I can, I can even see buying into that and it just feels right right but you know if you take a closer look if you put it under the microscope and you examine it closer you'll see if you you know zoom in zoom in a little more not there all right zoom in a little more there you go can you see it now can you see the line before the season started it was 16 points 16 so this line moved 10 points i mean are we should we should we be that convinced that MSU has closed the gap that much against Miami because of wins over who? Over Northwestern? Over Youngstown State, an FCS school? Sparty, to me, still has a lot more to prove. Um, they seem to be getting a lot of love all of a sudden. Um, they are 29th. They would be, I should say, 29th in the coaches' poll. If uh, it went there, they're getting that many votes. They're 30th in the coaches' poll. So they're just out, they're right on the cusp of getting ranked. Yet, two weeks ago, this team was four and a half wins total. I'm, I remember, I told you to take the over on Michigan State. I was more bullish on Michigan State than most heading into the year. Now, all of a sudden, because they beat Northwestern and looked good and crushed Youngstown State. All of a sudden, everybody is like, oh, they're, they're like an eight-win team now. Take it easy. Take it easy. I got to see more. Maybe they're going to prove me wrong. But I think Miami, with a very good quarterback in Derek King, he's got a big QB edge. He played excellent last week. Uh, PFF gave him a very, very high grade. Um, he played better than his numbers because the Canes had four drops. Hey, maybe they'll drop more balls this week. I don't think they're going to drop four on a weekly basis and end the season with 50 drops. But, you know, so I think they're going to play a little better this week. But, you know, he got a good grade. He ran for 79 yards, which makes you feel better about that knee injury that he had that he had taken care of in the offseason. This was against a pretty good Appalachian State defense. I think Appalachian State is um, better than Northwestern and better than Youngstown State. Obviously, Alabama is way better. So in Miami, you have a team that has been much more battle-tested going into week three. And, you know, lost in that blowout loss 
to uh, Alabama in week one was the fact that that Miami defense held Alabama to just 3.9 yards per carry. So Michigan State may not have as easy of a time running the football as they did against Northwestern, and all of a sudden their quarterback is going to have to go to Miami on the road in the heat and humidity at, at noon, and it, it's not going to be as easy. It is not going to be as easy as, as it's been so far. I think Miami is underrated going into this game. I think Michigan State is overrated. I, I like the fact that Miami has a strong offensive line uh, projected to be one of the best in the ACC. So I think they'll they'll do their job, and I think Miami uh, gets a 10-14 point win against Michigan State as the Spartans are handed their first loss of the season. Now finally, uh, let's conclude with uh, my biggest bet here. We're 2-0 so far in our biggest bets. And um, it's not going to be Michigan this week, but it's going to be another M school, a a Michigan rival. These teams used to play every year for the Little Brown Jug. Um, That's the Minnesota Golden Gophers. And I'm surprised. I was really surprised to see that they were getting points and the line moved to three. Um, Grab it at three because I think it's going to go back down again. Uh, to two, two and a half, which is where it started earlier in the week. But still, I, I did not expect Colorado to be favored here. And now, you know, this is a weakness versus weakness, strength versus strength matchup. I I am not a fan of Minnesota's defense. Um, they were horrendous last year. I did not have high expectations of them going into this season. Um, they, they did not look good against Ohio State. You might say that's Ohio State. They didn't look good last week, particularly in the second half when they nearly blew a 21-3 lead. But but this Colorado offense is a mess. Um, they Their quarterback has averaged 6.8 yards per pass against Northern Colorado. And then last week against uh, a real defense in Texas A&M, he averaged just 3.6 yards per pass in a 10-7 loss. Um, Sam Neuer was their starter last year. He transferred late in the process. They brought in a transfer from Tennessee, JT Strout, uh, who is out for the season with an injury. So that pretty much forced their hand and left them with redshirt freshman Brandon Lewis as the quarterback um, to be the starter. Ready or not, here we come. It's 2021. And so far, he does not look like he's up to the challenge of being a starting quarterback. Um, not at this level, not not yet. Um, to add, I get you know. To add, I was going to say insult to injury, but there's no. Uh, yeah, I guess there are injuries. I did mention an injury. Is the fact that they will be without their most talented receiver, uh, Levante Chenault. Uh, you may recognize that name. So he is on. He has been suspended. Um, so he will not be playing in this game, which makes the Buffaloes very one-dimensional. And while Minnesota struggled to get after the quarterback last week and allowed Miami Ohio to get back into the game in the second half through the air, they were pretty solid in defending the run against Miami Ohio. And no one's going to compare Colorado's backfield or offensive line to Ohio State's, which handled the Gophers pretty good in week one. So I think this is a, a an offense that Minnesota can handle. Now, 
they will be challenged by a good Colorado defense, but I'm confident. I believe, you know, while they were able to stifle the highly ranked Aggies, I'm not sure how good Texas A&M's offense actually is. You know, they had a freshman quarterback, inexperienced, playing behind an offensive line that has a bunch of new starters, uh, three or four new new starters in Texas A&M's offensive line. This was a unit that we did not know how good it was going into the year. Now, Colorado is going to face a different kind of team this week. Gophers have one of the best offensive lines in college football. They liked when they run the ball, they often like to go heavy with six offensive linemen. They they throw out six starting caliber offensive linemen with double digit um, starts in their careers. Four of them are seniors, two of them are juniors. Um, that's why even with the loss of Muhammad Ibrahim, which is a loss, you know, it's a big loss, but I told you um, they're still going to be able to run the ball. Because the backs are decent enough, and the offensive line is too good for Minnesota not to be able to run the ball. Trey Potts, in his first start filling in for Ibrahim, went for a buck seventy-eight last week and two touchdowns. And then, of course, Tanner Morgan is uh, two starts away from thirty starts in his career. So this is not a freshman quarterback that you can confuse easily. So you have an experienced quarterback behind a stellar offensive line. I think they're going to score enough points to come out of Boulder with a win. So I, I am very surprised that I am getting two points there. I'm going to th- give you a four-team parlay that I like, and it's going to include a couple of money lines. Give me Minnesota with the money line. I don't need them points. I like Maryland laying a touchdown, Notre Dame laying a touchdown, and Auburn on the money line. So that's three games right there that I haven't talked about that I'm not giving in my bets uh, plays, but you can see I have some sort of lean there. In terms of Maryland, who plays Friday night, uh, that line moved from four and a half to seven. It went to seven and a half, back down to seven. Ooh, if it goes under seven, I, I think I might have to jump on the Terps. Um, Matchup-wise, this is a great matchup for Maryland, an awful matchup for Illinois. Uh, Tagliavoa, Tua's little brother, baby Tua, throwing to Dante Dimas Jr., Rakim Jarrett, two of the more explosive playmaking receivers in the Big 10. Rakim Jarrett is a kid that LSU really wanted, five-star kid, and somehow Maryland snagged him. Really talented player. And they're going to be going up against a secondary last week that made Virginia's quarterback look like uh, Cam Newton with you know, he had almost 400 passing yards, a dual threat guy. Um, he ended up getting the highest grade among PFF passers, uh, uh, excuse me, power five passers from PFF last week. So I think a lot of that was a product of playing a very poor Illinois secondary. Uh, they should put up 30, 40 points easily against Illinois. I say should because, you know, ah, man, Minnesota, uh, uh, Maryland is just hard for me to fully buy in. We've seen this before from them. We've seen them crush Syracuse. We've seen them beat up on Texas, obliterate Texas, and then come back and just disappoint you. Um, This team is better. Those teams had talent too, though. So the coaching question mark still lingers for me. So I'm going to use it in a parlay. If it goes below six and a half, I may take it. But this is definitely an interesting potential play to watch. 
Um, Oklahoma, Nebraska. Hey, folks. I mean, this was my favorite live rivalry as a kid. Um, this is the 50th anniversary of the game of the century. Uh, what, I'm, what do I have to say about this one? It, I, I'd be shocked, shocked if this one is going to also be considered the game of the century. Notre Dame. I gave you a little tease with Notre Dame. Why do I lean towards Notre Dame um, against Purdue? I know it's easy. Don't get sucked in. It's so easy right now to get down on Notre Dame. Um, they barely beat Toledo, uh, Toledo last week. But let's consider turnover battle was 3-1. to one. Points off turnovers were 17-0 in favor of Toledo, including a pick six. Um, despite the two interceptions, Jack Cohen has been Cohen has been better than expected for the Irish. He's got 605 yards, six touchdown passes in two games. Now, why am I not betting uh, Notre Dame? Why why is this a pass and only a throw-in and a parlay? Well, Notre Dame uh, is replacing four offensive linemen. Uh, starters that have moved on to the NFL. Um, they brought in a big-time transfer, uh, one of the best Power Five uh, offensive linemen from Marshall, and obviously a lot of highly touted, a lot of kids who are expected to be really good stepping into the starting lineup for the Irish. But against Toledo, they gave up six sacks last week and 12 tackles for a loss. So without you know without that offensive line fixed, maybe it'll be fixed this week. Maybe Purdue is not good enough to take advantage of it, but they do have George Karlaftis, um, and and they they at least you know I can't put too much stock into the UConn game, but against Oregon State for those first three quarters they did look more aggressive, and that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to be more of an aggressive attacking defense. So if Notre Dame's offensive line is still trying to figure things out. Purdue's defense this week, at least, you know, maybe not in week 10, but this week might be able to take advantage of that. So that's why I'm passing on that game. Auburn, oh man, Auburn, they've looked amazing, right? Uh, 60 to 10 victory over Akron, 62 to nothing over Alabama State. But what do we, what do we really know about Auburn? What did those games really tell us? They're grading out spectacularly across the board. But in Alabama State, we have an FCS school. In Akron, we have a team that in week uh, two, after Auburn thumped them, um, lost to Temple 45-24 to by 21 to Temple. And as uh, you know, a, a follower of this podcast, Temple lost in week one 61-14 to Rutgers. So I don't know. Do the math. At, you know, Auburn beat an Akron team 61-10. That if Rutgers played Akron, Rutgers would have beat them 140 to three or something like that. So, I don't know what to put into the uh, Auburn Tigers start so far this season. But I think I'm kind of intrigued by them. So if they do cover, that means it's going to be a toss-up game. So why not use the money line for them uh, going? into the into that parlay and then finally the last big 10 game uh quick touch on iowa laying 23 against kent state at home um the hawkeyes they have a top 10 defense however the offense is absolutely pitiful um they barely move the ball against iowa state they couldn't run the quarterback uh completed less than fewer than 50 percent of his passes um, if that offense plays on a week-in, week-out basis, this Iowa team will struggle to beat another decent team. But they're playing a max school in Kent State who, you know, if they could shut out, I would not be surprised. 
which means uh, while I, I kind of want to fade Iowa because I think they're way overrated at number five in the, in the AP poll, at the same time, they're playing a team that if they shut them out, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, you know, and it would kill you to lose this game, taking Kent State and losing like 24 nothing or 27-3, where even if Iowa's offense doesn't really show up, um, they could still cover the spread because the defense could be that good. And heck, the defense might score points like they did in week one against Indiana. All right, that is your Big Bets uh, episode for week three in the Big Ten. Just to recap, we have our Big Bets, Michigan minus 27 against Northern Illinois, Ohio State over 42 on the team points total against Tulsa. We have Duke plus three against Northwestern at home. We have one, we have one, two bigger bets. You get it? Big bets, bigger bets. Cincinnati minus three, three and a half against Indiana. Miami minus six at home against Michigan State. Then finally, our biggest bets, Minnesota plus the three at Colorado. Sprinkle a little bit. If you want, sprinkle a lot on that money line. Maybe do it all the money line because I think the Gophers are going to leave Boulder with a victory and if you want to have a little fun with a parlay maryland minus seven auburn money line notre dame minus seven minnesota money line let's make some money i'm your host daniel mogollona you can find me on twitter at dan uh, the Sportman, and uh, from there you can get more information we're hoping to be on itunes this week and uh, you can get your update there thanks again for listening